Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. I pray this morning as we look at the story of Gethsemane, you will find your heart being called deeper. I really believe God wants to move us from information to heart encounter where what we know in our heads we find going into our feet, into the very core of who we are. It's already been said there's a sheep for the children, which is really good. And as Adam said, we are going to conclude our series uh, this morning on the mint. Can I just say, that doesn't mean we then put it on the shelf, put it in our safe, lock it away, but actually that we continue to, when appropriate, lament that what we have learned, what we've learned, will become part of our lifestyle as we go forward. And this morning, I want to really develop this theme of being, developing closeness with Father God as we look through the lament. The children's sheet is looking at being a friend in times of events. And that's another talk, but we'd be here till two o'clock this afternoon if we put both of those uh, together. So let's just remind ourselves, David, of the, uh, the cycle of events. Uh, we should know this off by heart now. We should have done some actions, shouldn't we, to, to reinforce it, like turn to God, uh, ring our complaint, Ask boldly, choose to trust. I'm very loud. Very loud. Uh, I can be loud in my own life. Don't be loud. Uh, but uh, just to say, as we go through, as I read through the verses that relate to lament this morning, I want you to see that in Jesus' three prayers, three one hours of prayer, he goes through these three cycles, these cycles three times. He goes through the the turning to God, the bringing his complaint, asking boldly and choosing to trust. So I want you to see that and spot that. So, but before we do, uh, Shami's got a word that she felt God give her, which ties in uh, to what we want to bring this morning. During our time uh, of um, prayer, uh, just before the service, we have a pre- uh, gathering prayer meeting, and um, I had a picture, and I, what I saw was um, my uh, left hand uh, with a wound, and it looked like um, someone keeps putting a plaster on it. Um, but of course, um, the, the wound it then appears again, and another plaster, and it looks like there's just only a superficial level of healing. And then fitting in uh, with the song that we sang earlier, God is calling us for in, into a deeper relationship. Uh, you know, you don't just stay in the same place with Father. He's always inviting us to come closer to him and, and to know more of him. Uh, I feel that it's time uh, for us to actually remove the band-aid or the plaster and because actually it keeps getting reinfected and what you need is for the foreign body in the womb to be removed. So I think there's an opportunity today to ask for more than superficial healing, ask Father to um, help you or help us 
actually, or a, a deeper level of healing and, and a more complete healing. So I, I just want to release that to you uh, for whatever aspect of your life. It could be something physical or maybe it's something a bit more emotional. Um, that God doesn't want you to just remain where you are, where it feels like you seem to trip in a particular area. Actually, you can ask for the full package. That's because Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we are set free completely. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. We're going to do something slightly different this morning because what you find, the story, the historical story of uh, Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane is covered by all of the four witnesses, the four Gospels, as we call them, in the Bible. And uh, you get different parts in different, different ones. And many years ago, I was very affected by uh, the story of Gethsemane. And uh, what I did is I got all the verses and put them all together so we can have one continuous uh, reading uh, of, of the story of Jesus being in Gethsemane. So we've got a number of as uh, a number of extracts, if you like, from various verses. Now, that looks quite small up there, but I think it's a bit bigger behind me. Um, but uh, what I'd like to suggest, two things to you. You might be a person who likes to read as we go through. But perhaps even today, it might be an opportunity just to shut your eyes and imagine the story as I read it to you, so that it really uh, gets into our heart. So we're reading from Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 18. Here we go. As was his custom, he went out to the Mount of Olives with his disciples across the brook Pidron, where there was a garden called Gethsemane, which he and his disciples entered. For Jesus often met there with them. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and James and John, he began to be greatly distressed, sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. He fell on the ground on his face and he prayed, My father, if it be possible, if you are willing, remove this cup. Let this hour pass from me. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Yet not what I will, but what you will be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch with me one hour? Rise, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, 
If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. And he came to them the third time and said, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It's enough. The hour has come, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I don't know about you, I find that quite powerful. It's even possible that you find that quite disturbing and a little unsettling when we think this is Jesus. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the, the one who spoke and a storm stopped. The one who took a little girl by the hand and said, rise up, and she came back to life. This is the one who confronted the religious authorities of his day. And yet we find him here in this situation saying words like, I am sorrowful unto death. You see, Jesus didn't come to earth as Superman. He came as us. He came as you and me. He came as fully human. And you, you might say, but Mark, Jesus was divine. And, and yes, he was. But in coming to earth as us, he laid aside his godness, as it were, and fully embraced man's humanity. Do you know, in the whole of the Bible, Jesus never ever of himself said, I am the Son of God. He used multiple times a different identifier. He used the identifier, Son of Man. Son of Man. And so Jesus here is expressing the deep feelings of one who is going to go through torture, mockery, humiliation, cross, crucifixion, and death. And, and in, he was facing it as a man. And very interestingly, when we've talked about lament, we tend to talk about it in this series as being something that's personal. It's something between me and God. But Jesus introduces something else. He induces what it is to lament when you're amongst friends. And as I said at the beginning, being a friend of someone in lament is another is another talk. But even though Jesus has got his disciples, the twelve, and others, because there was others there, we know from Scripture, he 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 tells them, I, "I've come to pray." And then he gets his three closest friends and goes further away with just the three, and then he leaves there, and he goes 
to the one for whom his heart's trust was in. He goes to his father and he prays to his father in heaven. He uses those beautiful words, Abba, Father. And, and in what he prays, we, we see something that is at the epicenter of lament. And actually, if that is missing or if that is out of place, our lament is not going to be fruitful as God intended. Because at the epicenter of lament is Father God. And what Jesus displays is this beautiful relationship that he has with Father God. In how he prays, his vulnerability, his honesty, his, his, his cry, Lord, if there be another way. And then those words of trust, of complete trust, beautiful, stunning trust, but not my will, but yours be done. And this morning, I just, before we go to that slide, David, it, it, this morning, I just want to really focus on this. How do we develop this relationship with Father God? And perhaps to make a statement that you might not have thought about before, but the relationship that Jesus has with Father God is the same relationship that you and I can have with Father God. And because Jesus, as I said, came as fully man, his relationship with Father God on earth was as man to God. And so I want to just take some moments to, to look at this uh, this morning. And uh, I just want to read something to you from Hebrews uh, chapter 2 that came to me while I was sitting in the car this morning. Because I think we can sometimes think that it was okay for Jesus. It was okay because he's Jesus and I'm me. But the writer of the Hebrews tells us this. He says, for the one who sanctifies, that is Jesus, and those who are being sanctified, that's all of us who believe in Jesus, all of us that are Christians. We are all one, or we have the same source. That is why he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. So that Jesus and us have the same source. We have the same Father in heaven. So let us look at some things. You see, when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then God spoke audibly from heaven. People heard it around. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know, God speaks that over you today. He says, you are my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. Some of us can get hold of the fact that I'm a beloved son or daughter. But that word, in whom I'm well pleased, 
can be a struggle for us. Do you know, in fact, when I was writing my notes, I had that all moment. Because I felt, you know, I haven't quite done that, have I? Well, perhaps I didn't speak to Charmy that well yesterday. And, and, and when we hear the words that Jesus, Father God, is pleased with us, we can have that voice in our ear that says, but what? What about that? What about this? You know, the, the truth of the reality is that your performance does not alter what God thinks and says about you. So what I want us to do, I'd like us, when I count to three, to, to make a declaration this morning. I want you to declare that I am beloved of God and my Father in heaven is pleased with me. Do you think you can do that? I am loved of God and my Father in heaven is pleased with me. So after three, ready? One, two, three, all together. I am beloved of God and my Father in heaven is pleased with me. Amen. Amen. So, you don't want to take this just because Mark Hewitt feels that it's a good thing. Let's look at the truth then of what, Je what Father God said about Jesus is true about us. Romans 5 verse 5 says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you become a Christian, Jesus said you are born again of the Spirit. You're born again of the Spirit. So the love of God, if you're a Christian, is poured into your hearts by the Spirit. It's very, very important because we're going to look at that a bit later. But what that says is something you didn't do is something God has done. He has poured his Spirit into your heart. And by doing that, he's poured in his love for you. He said to Jesus, you're my beloved son. Oh, so loved, beloved, and you're a son. Let's look at what Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17 says. It says, firstly, we are sons and daughters. We've received the Spirit as adoption as sons. And actually, Paul in Ephesians 1 says this. In love, God, uh, God predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters. So when it says here that he, uh, we receive the spirit of adoption as sons, it was not a hard thing for God to do. In love, he adopted you. When he looks at you, he goes dewy-eyed. When he looks at you, he smiles. He goes cooey over you. Why? Because in love, he adopted you. He didn't turn around and look at the Holy Spirit and look at Jesus and scratch his head and go, oh, Darren. What about Darren? Oh, oh come on. No, no, no. Oh, it's a difficult one. You know, some of us 
had the ignominy of being picked for teams at school. Do you remember that? The best boy, the best girl was all set at the front, pick your team, and you'd be there. And the numbers would go down. Ten, nine, eight. Please bring me seven, six, five from five mark. Listen, that isn't how it was with Father God. Father God looked down the eternal history of time and he saw a date and a day. He said, I want that one. I love that one. I love you. And in love, he adopted you as a son or a daughter of his. And then this one, as I say, is the one that we probably struggle with, with most is that we are his delight, his treasure possession. We are pleasing to God. We are pleasing to God. In fact, that verse uh, in, Zeph in Zephaniah chapter 3 says that he rejoices over you with singing. And when you look at the Hebrew for that, it actually means that he dances. Now, not that one. Can I just say, God probably does do ballet, because we did ballet, and I think that comes from him. But actually, that word dances means he twirls. He twirls in his rejoicing over you. That is the level of delight that he has in you. So right now, why don't you put your hand on your heart? Right now. Holy Spirit, these are your words. We pray right now you displace every lie that we believe about Father's love and his delight with this truth that we are your treasured possession. We are the apple of his eye. That he rejoices, means he's pleased. He's so glad that we are in his family. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. But I want to be practical in these few minutes, and we're going to have to go at phenomenal speed. But I want us to be practical if we could go to this slide. Developing closeness to Father God. There are some dangers in having a how-to list put up on the screen because I have no desire to add a burden to who you are. Many of us have our tick lists. Life is busy, life is stressful. And I don't want to add into that. But these are the things that Jesus modelled and enjoyed the closeness of a walk with Father God. So the first one is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being, continuously be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That means first thing in the morning. That means while you're going about your day. It means last thing at night. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 
verse 6 says this. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the love of the Father to us and help us respond similarly in love back to him. When we said about Jesus being baptised in water, the Holy Spirit came, and what was the revelation that came? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we need the Holy Spirit constantly flowing through us, so that we know I am a son, a daughter of Father God. You know, every morning when we wake up, Shami does something which is quite annoying. On she opens almost every window in the house. It can be minus five outside, and the window goes open, and I come out of the shower. Ah! Oh, and it's like, and she says, just fresh. <laughs> you know, every day we need to open the very depth of our soul. There's a beautiful song by Jeremy Riddle that has this line and says, Blow through the caverns of my soul. Blow through the caverns, every part, no secret doors, no hidden cells, no Holy Spirit. Blow through the caverns of my heart, of my soul. So we need to be asking Father God to send the Holy Spirit on us. That's how we do it. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? We ask. Jesus said, ask, and the Father delights to give to you the Holy Spirit. You see that in, 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 in Luke. But we have to believe and receive by faith, not by feeling. So we ask and we receive. We believe God is faithful to his word. So how do we receive? Because it's very interesting. We have, I needed the other mic. Right? We have this charismatic pose, don't we, for receiving. Do you know, it couldn't be further from the truth. Because this pose is passive, and in some way it models that the Holy Spirit are present, inanimate. But the word receive actually has a strong connotation of take. Now, it's not like going to the ice cream van, and daddy's buying an ice cream, and the little child, daddy, 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 ice cream. It's not, it's not like that, though. I don't think Father God is offended if our desperation is such that we do that. Oh, this is awful with this. I can't model this. I'm going to model something, and then I'll talk about it. So, receiving should be more like this. Holy Spirit, I welcome you now into my heart. That's the 
That's how you receive the Holy Spirit. Let's just say it's by faith that we do that. The second thing we see, and I'm going to be quick on this one, is the intentionality. There's intentionality about Jesus to go to the Father. Let me just read from Mark um, chapter 1, verse 35. I think this will resonate with many of us. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went outside to a desolate place, and there he prayed. There's other verses about him doing that in the evening. And we taught you last year about friendship with God, that friendship with God is walking with Jesus in every moment of every day. But there are times to go alone and be with God. And Jesus, being fully human, would battle with the duvet, though they didn't have duvets. <coughs> Can I be really practical? Without adding birds, there are seasons of life where certain times alone with God are very difficult to have. Now, if you're a single parent, great honour to you. Great honour to you. It's tough. But Adam taught us the breathe prayer. That's a really good moment. Everybody can find a second to go, Lord, I am here. Oh no, I am present. You are here. It's a moment. Just a moment in God. But if you can, set the alarm clock 20 minutes early. That's what I used to do, 20 minutes early every day. And just spend some time being with Jesus. If you are married, and I've said this in this church before, I'm going to say it again. If you are married and you have children, let's have a family chat. And let's love our wives, husbands, and say to our wives, what would be the best time I can give you so you can go alone and be with Father? And wives love your husbands and say to them, what would be the best time? For you to go alone and be with Father. Perhaps it'll be an hour a week you can give. I used to put my children to bed on a Monday night and then spend an hour and a half, 7.30 to 9 o'clock alone with Father God. It was life-saving. Life-saving. I want to encourage you to spend time alone with Father God. The, the next thing is to learn to hear and know the voice of God. Jesus made it very clear to, to us that his sheep hear his voice. John 10 verses 3 and 4. He says this, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Two things. We need to hear his voice and know his voice. We need to hear his voice and know his voice. One of the ways we do that is in Psalm 37, verse 7, it says, Be still, be still and wait. When I wrote my notes, I actually wrote, it's time to shut up. And I was so thrilled when I found that verse, because actually the word be still actually means be silent. 
be silent. Now, we are given permission to ask and ask and ask. And prayer lists can be good. But if we want to learn to hear the voice of God, we need to learn to be still and to stop talking. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed for three hours, three one hours, he prays. And yet we recorded about 30 seconds of what he prayed. So it never worried you. What, what, what did he do for the other time? Well, we know it says with groans. And the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit groans through us. So there was groaning going on. And we can't say, well, the disciples were too far away to hear, because in Hebrews, the writer tells us, with loud cries, he called out. So, so what was going on? Well, perhaps he spoke in tongues. I'm sure he did speak in tongues, actually, because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He gave expression to anguish that he couldn't give English, or it wouldn't be English, really Aramaic to, though he spoke in, in, in tongues. But I wonder if why we only have 30 seconds recorded is because he spent most of the time listening to his father. Wonder. I'm just saying. Can I encourage us to learn the gift of silence in the presence of God? To hear. Because prayer is communion. Prayer is my heart being interwined with his heart and his heart being intertwined with my heart. And lastly, pursue the Father heart of God. There are books, there are scriptures. Go through the Bible and get your notebook and start making a list of every verse which expresses the Father heart of God. Do it. It will fill pages, but it will do you good. Pray them over, declare them. There are great books out there. Uh, I read many, many books over a short period of time. The one that got me was Mark Stibbe's I Am Your Father book. It's the one that got me. I, I encourage you, if you can Google Peter Jackson and Father Hart, listen to anything he says. He is an extraordinary man. I had the privilege of having him in my home. He, what he speaks, he lives. Magnificently. So Peter Jackson would be one. But our time has gone. And I, I just want to bring this to a close, if we could go to the last slide. You know, the posture of our heart is really important for all of this. Humility and dependence, having honest vulnerability and humble obedience. Humility attracts the heart of the Father. Always does. And John Wimber, who was very influential in the churches here in the UK, probably in the 80s and 90s, he said this, the ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, and to move in the realm of the miraculous comes as an individual develops the same closeness with and dependence upon Father. As Jesus. We often say, I want to be like Jesus, don't we? Well, part of being like Jesus 
is to develop the relationship with the Father that Jesus had. And everything I've said, Jesus modeled. And the invite of the Father to you and to me this morning is come close to me. There's a beautiful promise. Come close to me and I'll come close to you. And that's to everybody in the room. Even if you say, well, I, I would say I'm not a Christian. I, I'm not one who knows what it is to have a personal walk with Jesus. I want to say to you, if you come close to him, he will come close to you. And there's this wonderful verse in Hebrews 4. It says this. Perhaps the band could come up, sorry. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we, but one who in every respect has been tempted or tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let's come with confidence. You come as a son, as a daughter. You know, when, if you've had children, or you see an observant children, if a child falls over and raises their knee, where do they run to? Daddy, daddy. Daddy, daddy. In our time of need, we come to the Father. But you know, in our time of blessing, we come to the Father. Every day, we come to the Father. We come boldly. Because he is our father. And we come to Jesus, our great high priest, who was us. He was us. He knows what it's like to be in human skin. He knows what it's like. He knows he experienced everything that we experience as a man in relationship with his father God. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that is in you. You don't have an inferior Holy Spirit. You have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So as we come, I want to invite you to come. Come to the Father. Come to Father God. Come boldly. Come boldly. Tell him your deepest longing. Express to him your deepest heart desire. Your deepest heart desire might be, God, I just want to know you. I want to know you. you might have been a Christian for a long time, and you say, but I want to know you, Father. It's a prayer that I pray often. Father, I just want to know you more. So much more to know. Why don't you come and do that as we end, as we worship this today?